0: Hello out there and welcome back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. I'm Caleb, joined by Alan, and it is a bye week, so we are going to break down the national games going on this week, but really more importantly for South Carolina fans, we're going to kind of look at the first five games of the season, um, look back at some of our preseason predictions, and kind of look at the schedule going forward and where south Carolina goes from here uh before we get fully into football talk let's talk a little bit of recruiting as we do at the beginning of every show um with the bye week uh south carolina coaches are traveling around this weekend um i know for sure that running back coach montaria hardesty is going to see daniel hill play on friday night Um, I know for sure that Dowell Loggins is going to see 2024 quarterback commit Dante Reno. I think he's also checking in on 2025 quarterback prospect Ryan Montgomery. Uh, Another quick note on Montgomery. Those of you that haven't been keeping up with him, uh, that's a four-star out of Ohio. Um, Really. as Lamont Harris. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Pretty, pretty highly sought after. Um, He's planning on visiting South Carolina next weekend for the Florida game. Uh, so that'll be a big game in many ways, including uh, the impact that it has on recruiting there. Obviously, you already have your 2024 guy in Reno. You already have your 2026 guy in Landon Duckworth, although I think they are still uh, looking around at, at some 2026 quarterbacks uh, so far out. Um, so it'd be good if you could, you could lock in Montgomery as that 2025 guy. We were talking before the show. I mean, you got Lenora Sellers, you have uh, Luke Doty, you have um, Tanner Bailey, and then you got Reno coming in. Um, So it's very quickly that room is going to get pretty crowded after Rattler moves on, but good problem to have. Um, And we're actually going to talk about Lenora Sellers here in just a minute uh, as someone that's kind of stood out uh, in the first half of the season, obviously only in that little (laughs) limited action he got, um, but pleasant surprise there. Before we get into our over-unders and um, sort of take our victory laps or or hang our head in shame and all those sorts of things, um, what are your overall impressions about where South Carolina sits five games in the season? So they're 2-3. and three. Uh, They split that Mississippi State-UNC game, which we said was pretty essential, and then they lost uh, on the road at Georgia and Tennessee, which was probably expected. Um How are you feeling at this point? I think you're
1: where you – about thought you were going to be. I know – I can't – I don't remember what you said. I know I had them two and three at the bye week, and we did this before the season. I think the way you've gone about it is a little bit – not gone about it, but the way it's kind of unfolded, the way you've gotten to two and three is a little bit concerning, for lack of a better term, just because there's certain things with this team. We talked about the offensive line, the running game. A lot of the things you thought were going to be issues are issues. And I just don't know how much of that you're really going to patch up or how much of it is a personnel issue, how much of it is a transition year, young players, whatever. I think you're fine. I think you're about where you thought you were going to be. I don't think the sky is falling, anything like that. We had this conversation on the Monday show. I C, give it a C, month of September. C plus, if you want to be nice, that's kind of how I would say. I think you're just about where you thought you'd be.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think you probably – thought you'd play better against North Carolina. I think you feel like you played better than expected against Georgia. Mm-hmm. And then you felt like you had your opportunities against Tennessee, but um, pretty much all of the weaknesses uh, that you worry about being exploited got exploited uh, throughout that game. Um and then you have the the long break after uh, that (laughs) tough loss on the road um which never feels good to just like sit uh in a bye week coming off of a loss you'd feel much better if you'd played better there um because we are products of the most recent moment uh yes we are uh, oftentimes so um but yeah i think c c plus is fair i think you probably still expect to make a bowl game although we'll break down the uh espn fbi percentages here a little bit later in the show for the rest of the schedule and, and start to break down how realistic we think uh, certain win totals are uh, going forward. But um, I actually listened back. Um, it was kind of fun. You, It's it's worth listening to, even if uh, you, have, you didn't hear it before and you already know what's happened to this point, um, to our episode right before the season started where we did over-unders. Um, and I thought we'd kind of go through some of those, see where we're at, On what we said there and what that means uh, for this 2023 South Carolina squad. So, the first one that we discussed back then was whether or not Rattler would have more than 249.5 passing yards per game. Uh, I think we both picked the over. I said I thought that that was like way under, that they would, it'd be more like 270. Um, 282. Two right now, and that's coming off of a game where I think he only threw for 162 or 180 yards or something. Yeah, um, so he really inflated that number big time uh, through the first four weeks of the season. Um, I mean, if I look at it specifically, we have 269 passing against North Carolina, 243 passing against Furman, 269 against Georgia. Forty-seven against Mississippi State, so that'll or is that? I'm sorry, that might have been the, You're looking at point totals. Yeah, that's I was gonna say that doesn't equal out at all. Um, my bad. Three fifty-three against North Carolina, four sixty-three against Furman. Now that wasn't all uh, Rattlers passing numbers. That's the team in general, which we saw three quarterbacks or four quarterbacks that night. Um, two fifty-six at Georgia, two eighty-eight with Mississippi State, um, and then two hundred and one passing yards uh at tennessee who else got passing yards if last week
1: did, did, was there a um, double pass or something they tried the double pass with like yeah i don't think he got it off oh kroger on the the fake
0: yeah, yeah that's what okay uh anyway so that kind of lets you know uh, where we're at at this point in the season i wonder if That's a good thing. (laughs) Um, So we've pretty much proven at this point that there is no run game, or at least not a reliable run game, um, which means you've had to complete a lot of short passes. Um, I believe Rattler completed 29 passes or something last week, uh, even though it was only 100 and something yards. Um, Yeah, so I mean, how are you feeling, I guess, hearing those numbers? He's over what we thought, but is that good for the
1: team? I level? mean, I'm assuming I set that number because if you had it at 270, you wouldn't have set it that low. I can't remember which one of us did all these numbers, but I, I'm assuming I set that one. So wrong on that one. He's better than I thought he was going to be. I think it's generally a good thing if your quarterback looks like your best player just on principle for a football team. Just the fact that Spencer has taken the step you wanted him to take. Spencer looks comfortable in Dowell Logan's offense. You'd like to have more balance, but I also don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that Spencer's playing at this level or that you have to throw the ball a lot. Cause I think we even thought before the year that even though you wanted to run the ball better than you have now, it was still going to be a passing offense that was the strength of this team.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, they've definitely proven that they can move the ball and score points against almost anyone. Um, there's maybe some, some questions about finishing drives here and there. Um, there was a lot of failed third and fourth downs last week in particular. Um, but yeah, I think you feel pretty confident about the way your offense has played and the way Rattler's played when he's had any time. Like It hasn't even had to be a ton of time. It's just not getting sacked nine times in a game like he was against sure. North Carolina um, or six times in a game like he was against Tennessee. All the other weeks when he hasn't had people in his face relentlessly the whole time, uh, he's looked
1: really good. He's looked like an NFL quarterback, I think. Yeah, that's I think you put it. You summed it up there. Um, Turnovers. This was we set the number before the year talking about could the offense cut down on turnovers. Um, I believe the number we set before was 20 before the season started. Do you have the current number of turnovers right now?
0: Um, I see that we've lost two fumbles and three picks for Rattler. So you're at five. So yeah, you're, you're definitely,
1: you're on pace for 12 right now. You got one a game right now.
0: Um, yeah, that's, and that has been better. I think they've done a good job of protecting the football. And honestly, even a lot of those picks have been in desperation mode. Two of them Um, against Georgia. Yeah. Right. So, um, there's only one really bad pick that I would, Fully yeah. put in Rattler's lap, and that was last week, the pick six mm-hmm. against Tennessee. Um, Fumbles-wise, I mean, yeah, you've protected the football pretty so the well. The one against
1: Mississippi State is the only really backbreaking one. And even on that one, your defense spode up and held him to a field goal.
0: I do think um, you are leaving a little bit to be desired defensively as far yeah. as forcing turnovers as well. You've only forced one – you forced four fumbles, but only one that you've actually gotten Um do you know how many interceptions? Six interceptions. He had two um, against UNC,
1: two against Tennessee, one against Mississippi State, and then you had one against Georgia. Furman two, right? was it? I thought it was Furman. Um, Maybe I, it was Georgia.
0: I, I think probably game script wise, last week the turnover margin went about the way you'd want, but you didn't take advantage of the turnovers the same way that Tennessee did. And that's the State North Carolina back. game too. You got those two picks in the second half and didn't score off either of them. Right. So um, overall, I mean, what are you, your turnover margin is minus one or plus one. That's not terrible, but uh, you're not turning people over and making something happen with it at the rate that you have the past couple of years, I don't think. Um, But you're also protecting the football better than you were. So it's kind of net zero I guess yeah and that's
1: something we've heard a lot you know from Shane Beamer that seems led the SEC in turnovers each of the past two years and again that goes back to your quarterback making better decisions taking care of the football even when he's running you know we've talked a lot about sliding getting out of bounds that kind of thing i thinking about the fumble rather how against gets Missouri last year and that's the kind of thing that's just not happening this year when he scrambles um yeah I think that definitely speaks to the way your quarterback's playing and kind of the comfort your quarterback has in this offense
0: so speaking of, I guess, turnovers forced and, and the way the defense has been playing, we said that a key was being able to stop the run on defense, and we put the uh, yards per game total at 170. We actually both picked that they would give up more than 170 yards per Better game. I don't know that right now. Do you know what the number um, is? I got
1: it here. Yeah, I believe it's 140-something, right? It's 156.8 after Tennessee spiked it a bit. But okay. still, you're way under that number we – we're not way under, but you're 14 yards under that number we set – well, and and, we set that
0: number lower than last year, I, yeah. I believe. I think they were closer to 200 almost mm-hmm. last year. So, um, yeah, I mean that's that's been better. Uh, I think your front seven has played better. I think a lot of what we talked about preseason was that the linebackers were going to be more talented, and we've seen that come to fruition. Um, outside the Kaba injury, the two starters in Debo and Stone Blanton have been pretty healthy, and they've needed to be because they played almost every snap all season thus far. Um, yeah, I think you feel all right about the way you, your defense playing against the run, especially against some teams that can run the ball. Uh, North Carolina, Georgia, Mississippi State, Tennessee, all uh, pretty good running teams. Obviously, Tennessee, you look the worst against Tennessee, but it's also statistically the, the best uh, rushing offense in the SEC right now. So, Yeah, and I
1: think, too, there's a point to be made here that I was surprised about. I've been surprised about as this year has gone on, is how well your defensive tackles have played. I was maybe not expecting this group to take a step back because I think there's more depth maybe than you had last year, but you're losing an NFL, not just an NFL, but a third round draft pick, a guy who was a big part of this thing for the last few years. And Zach Pickens, Bookie Huntley's played very well. TJ Sanders has played very well. You know, thinking about that Georgia game, Nick Barrett made a big play in that Mississippi state game. Tonka Hemingway's played very well. Um, I feel like you feel, you look like the spine of this defense, like you just kind of go up the middle, right? Your D tackles, your linebackers, and your safeties. I think you feel good in the middle the further out you get maybe where you have some questions. But that's better in the middle. I mean. Yeah, I think
0: you probably feel like you're more balanced than ever. Maybe you don't have a true elite uh, five star sort of talent on that front line. But we've also talked about those guys i mean pickens was pretty consistent but birch was a little like hit or miss uh, throughout his career as far as he would have some games where he looked dominant he would have some games where he didn't um you haven't seen any of those dominant games on the edge yet uh, by anyone i don't think but the consistency has been been decent it's been fun um the next one i think is kind of fun uh, we set the over under for Kai Kroger passing touchdowns at one and a half, and uh, we decided that he was going to go over so far. He's not on pace, although he just missed a two point conversion by a hair. Uh, was that last week or
1: Mississippi State? Mississippi State, yeah. yeah. You haven't seen it, but you've seen the flashes of it. You've seen that Pete Lembo still has the bag of tricks. You saw the fake punt against Tennessee. You saw them get lined up quickly, trying to maybe snap the ball again. After that, you saw the, uh, like you said, the two point conversion. It's still get in there. Onside kick against North Carolina. Kick. Yep. Yeah. It's
0: still in there. I guess that's what I would say. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think you've been disappointed by them putting their thumb on the scale, special teams wise, here and there. Um, but you may, we'll see. I, I think there's still potential for the two passing touchdowns down the stretch. Um, so another one that was kind of like a weird one, but we talked about how often ESPN broadcasters would would talk about either Harbor or Sellers, uh, which going to have to be your one day answer because I'm at the games. Yeah, and I, I assumed we, I assumed those guys would get talked about because they're two of the more hyped freshmen. Um, we thought they might play against North Carolina. Um, Thus far, and we talked about this a little bit on Monday's show uh, as far as like what do you do with the bye week and how do you go forward. Thus far, we haven't seen a ton of Nick Harbour. He did have a touchdown catch against Furman. Um, Maybe he starts to get a little bit more involved down the stretch. Uh, He has flashed the athleticism for sure. Uh, Maybe he's a little bit raw uh, at a new position. Uh, He played tight end and defensive end in high school. He wasn't playing a whole lot of true wide receiver. So, Um, But I did think it was funny when I was listening back. You said our ESPN broadcaster is going to be talking about Sellers during the Furman game. Um, And yeah, they they did, right? Uh, He came out and led two touchdown drives, had one beautiful uh, deep pass on his first drive. So um, Sellers has definitely flashed what he can do. Not someone that you need to worry about too much right now unless there was an injury or something to Rattler. But uh, I think... All signs point to him having a bright future here uh, in the future. Um, leading rusher's yardage total. And we, we looked at the entire season and we put the over-under at 615 yards for one rusher. Uh, and we both picked under and we seem to be yeah. right on pace right so,
1: now. Right now, Mario Anderson Jr. is your leading rusher. He has 230 yards, 75 of them on that one play against Tennessee. Uh, that is a pace of 5.52 for the year if he stays on that for 12 games, which isn't actually as far away from the mark as I thought. If we set the mark at 6.15 and he's pacing for 5.52, and that's even with barely playing against North Carolina or Furman. Maybe he could get there if you just assume he's running back one right now and he's going to get the bulk of the carries these last seven games. But the carry-on joiner is currently on pace for 240 rushing yards. That's I don't think that's going to get particularly that much higher. And that's clearly lower than – what we said for the year um
0: yeah and we both p- said that joiner would be the leading rusher obviously yeah. that seems like that might not come to fruition assuming everyone stays healthy um i think yeah anderson has kind of solidified himself over the past couple of weeks as the true number one back um, and then you still have packages for joiner i still think you need some more juju um but picking and choosing. When you want to use them Um, and maybe some of the reason that we haven't seen them is what happened last week where they want to get into a rhythm and and line up fast and and not substitute uh, at certain times and we saw last week that they ended up in a third and one or fourth and one. It was third and one drive in the second quarter. Yeah, third and one with Juju in there and they didn't want to sub out because then that gives the defense and uh, a chance to sub out and all that stuff. Uh, So maybe that's why we haven't seen them as much, but I do think. He's still very talented as a change of pace uh, sort of guy, and you need to find ways to get him some touches uh, every game, but we'll see. Stop between um, the tackles. That's all I would say about that. I, just, I think you no, seen I, enough of that. I agree, yeah. Uh, this this one was pretty interesting. So leading receiver, we both picked that this was the year that a South Carolina receiver is finally going to go over 1,000 yards. We both said that that was going to be Antoine Wells, but we were already talking about uh, the lingering injury um, and the fact that that could keep him from reaching that goal. Obviously, we've seen that come to fruition at this point. Um, It seemed like he had battled his way back into the lineup against Georgia, had a very successful first drive of that game, scored a touchdown, and then, of course, uh, has been absent ever since with that foot injury. Um, We did speculate on who the second most leading receiver might be and we said Knox and Leggett which are probably two and three at this point or two and four or something like that but uh I don't think we either of us saw would breaking out in the way that he has and no. there's still potential for a thousand yard South Carolina receiver this year uh, with Xavier Leggett
1: I would say it's likely I mean not even just potential he's at Leggett right now even after a quieter day against Tennessee is at 606 He is currently pacing for 1,454, so you're way over 1,000. And the program record for a season is Alshon Jeffrey with 1517 in 2010. So you're looking at right now, Leggett's, I mean, what is that? That puts him 63 yards off the record. If he upped his pace by nine yards a game, he'd be tracking for the greatest receiving season in South Carolina football history.
0: Which, yeah, is not that crazy. Um, We also saw today that he has made it onto the Belintikov watch list, list, which which goes to the top um, wide receiver in the country. So, yeah, I mean, he's starting to get some recognition. I will be interested to see now that he has stepped up the way that he has if more teams try to double him and and, uh, shade him and stuff. Especially if Wells isn't back. Right. I think ten- we saw Tennessee do some of that. I do think you need Wells to get back for Leggett to get to that number, which seems odd to say because you would think that that means Wells is taking away some of those catches, right. but I think it, it opens them up a little bit more so teams can't focus on them. So, we'll have to see how that plays out. I have, we haven't heard anything injury I I know you yeah. heard the, the – There hasn't been anything week, new
1: but. injury-wise this week. Um, I think Leggett gets to 1,000. I think he don't, I don't know if he's going to get to – Alshon's number. That's a lot of receiving yards. That is a lot. That's closer Um, to 2,000 than 1,000.
0: But I do think he's definitely played his way into an NFL contract, which is is impressive. Um, Then at the end of the preseason uh, podcast, we both gave a bold prediction. Yours was that Lenora Sellers starts the bowl game. I think
1: that could Still tracking. Yeah, I get to uh, six or seven. Rattler skips the or opts out for draft prep. I think it's Lenoris is probably your guy. Yeah,
0: if assuming that you're playing in a bowl game, that doesn't really mean a whole lot. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Rattler goes ahead and and gets ready for the NFL, and then uh, we've seen Luke Doty make seemingly an almost full time move to wide receiver. Although, you know, if Rattler were to go down in a game, you might see Doty first. I don't know. Um, but based on what we saw against Furman, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if Sellers ends up the starter for the bowl game. And then my bold prediction was that you're going to beat one of Georgia, Tennessee, or Clemson. Well, two of those are down, uh, so we'll see what happens with the third. I mean, I think you probably feel better preseason about your chances against Clemson at home than you did uh,
1: back then. So, no, I think. You're still tracking. I don't want to say tracking for that because it just comes down to one game at the end of the year, but it's the one game that's at home. That was the one that wasn't going to be early where you feel like you maybe have more of a sense of an identity of what your team is by that point. I don't know. That's two predictions we made there that both can't be true or false until game 12 or 13. So you kind of got to sit and wait and see on both those.
0: Yeah, so right now, and, and we're going to go through each of these games here, right now the ESPN-FBI percentage of beating Clemson is 28.6, which isn't great, but it's...
1: If you play 10 score? times, you win three. That's It's sure. in the realm.
0: Um, all right, let's look at the rest of the schedule from here on out. So you're sitting at two and three. Obviously, you need at least four to get to a bowl game. I think you feel pretty good about Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt. Both of those are at home. Although Jacksonville State is what, 5 1? 5 1. On one. Yep, they won last night. Um, right now, the ESPN FBI for those games are pretty neck and neck. Uh, actually, you're slightly lower probability to beat Jacksonville State than Vanderbilt, which is not a good look for Vanderbilt. Uh, but both of those are hovering around 86 or 87% uh, probability that you win those. So let's mark those down, right? So you're, you're at four wins. You got to find two out of Florida, Missouri, Texas A&M, Kentucky, and Clemson. Um, starting with the highest probability is next week against Florida at home. Uh, right now you have a 58% probability to win that one, according to ESPN-FBI. Does that sound about right to you?
1: Yeah, I think, again, you play that game 10 times, South Carolina wins in more than Florida. Um, that is the Andy Jack State aside. That's the one you feel best about just because it's uh, – I mean, look – We talked about it during the summer. We've talked about it last week. Florida has not been impressive. I know they had the one, really just one half against Tennessee. They they played well, but gave up 275 yards to Ray Davis last week. Lost at Utah. Special teams is bad for Florida. I think they lead the country in special teams penalties. So that's something you can maybe exploit. It'll be the healthiest you've been in a while. Two weeks off the bye, you're at home. Like, Yeah, I mean, what are we talking about? That's, That's a game you should expect to win.
0: Yeah, which is kind of crazy to say, considering how badly they played against that defensive front last year. Um, that would be the that would be the worry, though. Yeah, um, you just got to hope that being at home yeah. versus a night game at the swamp or whatever it was last year is is the difference there. Um, so, okay, you technically have a above fifty percent chance to win that one. If We mark that one down. That gets you to five. Um, the rest of the schedule though you have a less than 50% chance of winning. So at Missouri, the ESPN FBI is at 40.3%. It's gonna be a tough game. Missouri's played pretty well thus far. Obviously, that was another game he lost last last year. Um, Brady Cook has looked like he's taken a step forward. Um, he's I still wouldn't call him a lead or anything, but he doesn't really have to be.
1: And it's really got a wide receiver, though. Defense playing well, get a first round pick wide receiver, Luther Burton. Um I'm very interested and we're going to talk about some national stuff in a bit. Mizzou LSU this weekend, just how good is Missouri actually? Can they exploit a bad defense? But look, you're going on the road to a team you haven't beaten the last three years now, right? And Mizzou's one in this series. There's a four. Uh, I, it's definitely 21 uh, and 22, but yeah, I know Drake with to four no against South Carolina. So yeah, I guess it's been at least three, but, um, tough, unwinnable, no, but I, wouldn't pick South Carolina to win that game right now.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think we'll learn a lot more in the next couple of weeks about both, yeah, both teams. zoo plays LSU and Kentucky the next two weeks. So the the stretch right there is going to be kind of tough. You go to Missouri and then the next week you have to go to Kyle Field uh, at Texas A&M. You only have a 16% chance to win that one. So that's the lowest win probability left on the schedule. I think that's a lot of factors. Um, that's a tough place to play. South Carolina traditionally hasn't had a ton of success against Texas A&M other than last year, um, and they've they've been solid. I mean, it seems like those those recruiting classes that they stacked have started to come to fruition a little bit. Still, maybe not um, elite of the elite the way that some people uh, thought that they would be under Jimbo. But I I, can't, I tend to agree that that's the tough toughest game left on the schedule.
1: Yeah, I. It's, it's a place you've never won before. It's this team has not played well in big road environments. Just, I mean, they played pretty well at Georgia, but they didn't. They didn't finish either of those games. They didn't play a good fourth quarter against Georgia. A good fourth quarter against Tennessee. I did say before the year I thought they would split the Mizzou AM, and M, and I still think that could be on the table. Just because it's, I don't know. I don't know if this team loses two straight games like that. I don't know if they win two straight either, though. If you chose, if you made me pick one, they were more likely to win. I would say Mizzou, but also, I do think there's bottom out potential with AM in any given moment. You know what I mean? Like I just maybe with the backup quarterback, maybe the way they played against Miami, that defense is always capable of struggling. I just there's a potential that can get that can go your way. I still don't. I think the thing that
0: helps you against Texas AM and right now is I still don't think you feel too confident in their offense, putting up yeah. a ton of points to where they're going to put South Carolina out of the game. Right. So if your defense plays decently and you can and and protect Rattler enough for him to do what he's been doing for the last seven or eight games, um, I think you feel like you have a puncher sh- shot in that one because I don't think that you're going to get down by 21 points in the
1: first right. quarter or whatever. No, I'm with you on that.
0: Um, after that, you have Jacksonville State, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and Clemson back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back at home. Um, I tend to think you're going to win at least three of those. That's just a really nice home stretch, uh, which if you do, that would put you uh, at six wins. Um, We talked about Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt already. You're actually still slightly under 50% uh, versus Kentucky, so 48.8% chance to win that one. Um, I guess that makes some sense because they're good at something that you're somewhat deficient at uh, defensively. They've been running the ball very well. Leary's a good enough quarterback to hurt you in the play action passing game. Um, but also I don't know that Kentucky has played against an offense as good as South Carolina's yet.
1: No, they haven't. And really, even look at this Saturday, they're going to Athens. I don't know if they're going to face pieces of an offense that good. Uh, you know, a guy like Brock Bowers, obviously. But no, I mean, Spencer Rowley will be one of the better quarterbacks they face this year. Um I don't, again, you talk about, you talk about all this stuff, little things, margins, execution, just the little things in a football game. I don't think any of these games are games. You say they can't win. I mean, I, I, there's no, we're not talking about what's the, you know, the conversations we were having going into Georgia week, like, okay, what works here? What, what in a hundred would have to go, right? There's no one on a hundred here. Like you can, you're going to be in all these games. You would think um, it's just going to be a matter of some things in the margins. And I tend to think they get to six or seven two. um, I definitely think I feel like seven might be the ceiling right now because I don't think you're going six and one from here after the buy. You're probably gonna lose at least twice.
0: yeah, I think if you somehow get to eight wins, you're like in the regular season, then you've exceeded yeah expectations. you've fixed a lot of things in the bye week, whatever. um the last one I already mentioned. You have a 28.6% chance right now, according to the ESPN FBI, to beat Clemson. Um, And overall, the expected number of wins, according to the FBI, is 5.6. And your chance of making it to six wins is 55.4%. All of that, according to the ESPN FBI. Still, if I had to put money on it right now, uh, assuming health stays about the same as it is right now, um, I would pick South Carolina to get to at least six wins for
1: sure. I think, it's like we said, the Florida game is vital. You have to win that game. I think the difference between going to College Station and Columbia or other way around, but going to those two road games, two and four versus three and three is big. And then I think if you beat Florida and you do find a way to split those games and you come home from October four and four, staring at four home games, at least two you're going to be heavily favored in. I think you feel really good about this. Maybe not really good at four and four, but you feel good about it. You feel like definitely you're going to a bowl game and there's a chance for something more.
0: So if we're taking a bigger picture pr- approach and I hesitate to do this a little bit, we are still in the midst of the 2023 season. There's still a lot of fun football left to be played. Um, I'm not bringing this up to punt on the 2023 season. I'm looking forward to uh, how it's all going to play you're out. you it up to do a fake punt. You're going to throw a pass <laughs> here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, let's look at kind of the state of the program at this point right let's say that they do get to six or seven wins and then this became like a a rebuilding year a reloading year uh whatever uh because last year you won eight games um went to a new year's bowl game if you only get six wins this year you're not gonna go on a new year's bowl game probably i mean maybe one of the lower tier ones whatever um Let's look a little bit at the depth chart going into next year, and think about the 2024 recruiting class, and just like, I guess, give a grade on where the Shame Beamer era is uh, as we head halfway through year three, start to look towards year four, because I, I've seen a lot of, uh, I guess, angst from South Carolina fans that this is Will Muschamp uh, part two. And I I tend to disagree with that take. Um, Do you have a depth chart that you can pull up in front of you?
1: Uh, I'm looking at a scholarship chart. Okay, that works. That's close enough.
0: So first on offense, uh, you're going to have a lot of turnover at some of the skill positions. We expect Xavier Leggett to move on. Right now, I would still expect... Um, Juice Wells to move on. Although if he misses a big chunk of the season and only gets to play a little bit, maybe he comes back to try to improve his draft stock or whatever. Um, Marion Brown, I believe, is out of eligibility after this year. Yep. So uh Eddie Lewis, I believe, is also yep. out of eligibility this year. So you're starting to look at Omega Blake, who has stepped up in a big way to probably be your leading receiver. Uh, You have Nick Harbour, who is a freshman. Um, Tyshawn Russell. Tyshawn Russell. Uh, We talked about the in-state guy. Elijah Caldwell. Yes, exactly. Um, And then we've also seen them go into the portal each of the last... You're going to have to portal
1: there. I don't know if you have to do a lot necessarily, but I think you need at least one proven collegiate pass catcher, whether that's a tight end or wide receiver in this offseason. Probably two, but at least one.
0: And not to completely overlook Luke Doty, but I think we probably both at this point would project Lenora Sellers as the starter heading into 2024 at quarterback. Um, Where I think you start to really feel good is your offensive line, uh, where you would have Tree uh, and Tro with a year of experience under the belt, um, a year of uh, strength and conditioning under the belt, all those sorts of things. Um, And I really solid 2024 class again you it's not ideal to be playing freshman but you're going to be okay maybe you feel even better in say 2025 but i still think probably compared to this year you're 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 better off than you were this year um you also get markey anderson back who projects as a starter um perhaps could even push tree at left tackle if not maybe he slots in at right tackle Got Casey henry Um, too case henry coming back uh from injury um J- uh, Jalen Nichols well, the, uh, yeah. would probably get a, an extra year um with the with the injury. So I think you feel pretty good about your starting group compared to this year at offensive line. Tight end, you might have to go into the portal, but you do have Connor Cox who's been traveling Reed McCasca, as a freshman. Reed too. Reed McCasca, Nick Elksness still has three years of eligibility left, I believe. Um and running back, you have some help coming. Uh Matthew Fuller will be a freshman. He's been running all over Georgia, four A or five A or whatever uh classification he's in. Might still land Daniel Hill, whatever. So based on that picture that I'm painting of the offense, I guess, how are you feeling about the twenty twenty-four version of this? And do you feel like I don't know that Shane Beamer is like building towards something good or or is that not a roster that, that should be starting in the SEC under a coach heading into his fourth year?
1: I I like the idea of it. Sellers, obviously. I think we know what they we've we've seen some stuff, some good stuff out of Tyshawn Russell. You still have Harbor there, obviously. I definitely think that is a group. I'm, th- I'm talking about the skill position specifically where you're gonna have to supplement a little bit. You know. Yes, you'll have a lot of talent, but you also have a lot of unproven. It'll be very much what we're talking about with this offensive line right now. I think next year, some of those positions, those skill positions, um, It doesn't mean it can't work. But also, you need a guy who's caught passes, and played in big games at this level, and you I don't you don't really have that next year. At least not think, a, lot of, a lot of it.
0: Do you think Omega Blake has the potential to step forward and be the number one yeah. type of receiver? I think he do, do that. I do. I do too. I think he's been pretty reliable so far this year. And I do think you need Nick Harper to take a step forward as the field stretcher athlete can break a play like Xavier Leggett has. Um, I I see Omega Blake as like the possession reliable. Mm -hmm. I need a first down sort of guy, Uh, and then you need to to have that game breaker. And I think Harper can be that. Um, He just has a little bit more development to to go in the meantime. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Uh, no, I, I, I. Do you have anything else about the offense? Because I, I actually feel really good about the defense as I start to look forward. Yeah, I think you. I think you too. Go ahead. Um. Yeah. So defensively, you're really not gonna turn over near as much as you did this past year. Of course, this is all assuming that you don't lose a lot of people in the transfer portal. Which, if that happens, I do think that there's some more questions, I guess, about where you're at. Uh, Three years in, four years into the Beamer era because we've seen some major defections, uh, especially in the last cycle that have ultimately really hurt your team um, at some key positions. But assuming pretty much everyone comes back, I think you feel pretty good about the offensive line could see uh, Boogie Huntley, Nick Barrett, TJ Sanders um, all coming back on the edge uh jatias who's flashed a little bit elijah davis who can play inside and outside umio zulu's starting to flash even in the, the most recent game um linebacker all those guys are coming back and pup howard's already starting to get in and then Martin scott's gonna be gone but yeah you're right um but then you're also bringing in wendell gregory um mm-hmm. who is very highly rated as a linebacker and the name is escaping me right now, but the guy out of Virginia—that's only a three-star right now. Um, but we we talked a couple of weeks ago that Fred we're, Johnson. Fred Johnson, yeah, we're expecting him to to bump up to a four-star as well. Um, so you you feel pretty good about your linebacker depth, I think. And then we've talked before already that pretty much everyone in secondary is coming back except for Marcellus Style, um, and you feel like you probably have some good development there. So I, th- I think on defense. That looks. That's starting to look like an SEC quality defense, both from a talent and depth perspective. Obviously, it would still help to get some more guys in the portal. I didn't even mention um, Dylan Stewart, five-star edge coming in next year as well. Um, So it's really starting to uh, to come together on defense.
1: I would I would agree with you there. I think next year is between having a. Three years of a college experience, uh, Eamon and Smith, a Jalen Kilgore taking a second-year leap, you would hope. Uh, Pop Howard with a second-year leap, you would hope. Umizulu, Zulu, same thing. The players you have come in. I think next year's going to be the most talented defense you've had in the Shane Beamer era, and a reasonably experienced one, too, at least on the back end, for sure. And up front, too, especially defensive tackle.
0: And yeah, I do think if you want reasons for optimisms based on the picture we just painted, we've seen that the trenches are really hard to find in the portal, uh, but the skill positions are a little bit easier, at least so far, um, for for the South Carolina staff to find uh, some skill players that can contribute immediately. So assuming all those guys come back that we just mentioned, and you can fill a couple of skill position gaps in the portal, I think you have to fill more optimistic heading into next year than this year. Of course, you don't have Spencer Rattler, even though we do think Lenore Sellers is going to be really good. Um, the way that Rattler's played this season has been, like, elevating uh, everyone around him, and you're still only two and three. But so that's a little bit concerning,
1: I guess. It is. I'm curious to see if Rattler plays at the level he's played at in the first half against what is not going to be the toughest schedule in the country or second or whatever it's rated coming out of the buy, what you can get done. And that's where I think he starts to look at, can you maybe go five and two in the second half? Can you get to seven wins? Um, can you stay in every game? That kind of thing. Can you beat Clemson again? You can have a better quarterback in the field than Klubnik. Just kind of things where I think if you're in the fan base, things you still think this thing's going right. You're having a successful season. Um, I think if you get this version, I mean, I'll put it this way. If you offered every South Carolina fan a carbon copy of Rattler's first five games in the last seven, you'd take it. It's not been perfect. There's been the pick six. there's been some mistakes. but I definitely wouldn't trade that for whatever's on the behind door number two if it worked that way, which obviously it doesn't. but
0: yeah, and I believe you said this last week, but you should have the best quarterback like in every game for the rest of the the time. Probably, I mean really, yeah. really, you could argue that you've had the best quarterback up to this point except for maybe, Uh, Drake May in every game thus far, but we knew, like you said, that the beginning of the season, the schedule was going to be tough, um, and it's really hard to judge how good this team is at this point in the season, I think. Um, And you look around at some of these teams that you were maybe not as worried about, like Missouri and Kentucky, and say, um, oh, maybe they're better than we expected, but also I think a lot of those teams haven't played the quality of opponents that South Carolina has at this point. Um, and if they, if Missouri had to start with this, this, uh, five game stretch, do you think they would be, yeah, Uh, are they any better than two and three? Probably not. I don't think so. Um, it'll be, yeah, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see how that goes on the stretch. And like we said before, we're kind of products at the moment. So I think if you finish five and two or six and one or, or whatever, um, there's a lot of momentum again behind this program, which helps with stuff like the transfer portal, which helps with the uh, end of season recruiting and all that sort of stuff. So I still tend to believe that the future is bright. Does that mean I think you're competing for a playoff spot next year? No. Um, Do I think that you could have a really good season next year and then start to talk about the upper echelon of the SEC in 2025, assuming everyone develops the way that you'd like to hope and you continue to recruit uh, the way that they have. Yeah. I think that there's still a path uh, towards that sort of growth.
1: Yeah. I think I'm with you there. And all I would say about that though. And again, I've said it a hundred times and I'll say it a hundred more in the next 10 days, oh, nine days. If you're real, if you think you're, if you're as good as you tell us you are, if you still think this is on track for a good season, go beat Florida. Cause that's what a good team would do.
0: Yeah. That, that's true. We could definitely be painting a very different picture uh, in about 10 days. Um, there will be some, some gloom and doom if you can't pull that one off at home, uh, if you get embarrassed um, at home and then have that gauntlet. Uh, it, it starts to look a lot more like a gauntlet. Uh, assuming you lose that game let's look at um some games around the country really quick for week six and then red river get out of here um yeah just because south carolina is not playing uh, you don't have to worry about any of the stress surrounding that and you can just get to sit back and watch some really good football and there's some some great games this week so yeah let's start there red river red river rivalry red river shootout whatever you want to call it um texas is minus five against ou at home that feels a little bit low but i think it's just because there's never any telling what's going to go on in this game
1: i love this game this is one of my favorite games of the college football calendar every year i think we talked about it last year but it's just fun it, it means a lot to both fan bases it's it it's just fun and i'm it's it matters this year it really does both teams are at five and oh it matters it always does but I'm picking Texas to win and cover. I just can't get away from that offense. I love the way Quinn Ewers has looked. I love that receiving core. They can run the ball. They don't look like they're missing Bijan Robinson, just the way they're going to the trenches right now. I just can't get away from that Texas offense right now. And I think Oklahoma's a lot better. This is not a 49 nothing game like it was last year. Um, but I just, I think Texas, honestly, if I had to put a national title bet right now, I might have it on them.
0: If they get through this one, uh, I think you have to feel pretty good about the schedule going forward. Um, I'm also going to pick Texas. I'm also going to pick Texas to cover, but I would not want to put any money on it because I'm very afraid of uh, the Fair chaos surrounding this game. Um, I, I mean, you just think back to recent examples. Uh, this was the coming out party for Caleb Williams mm-hmm. uh, when Spencer Radler actually got uh, sat a couple of years ago and Oklahoma led a huge comeback in that one. For overtime game in the COVID year, um, yeah. So there, there, always seems to be some craziness in this one. So we'll we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I'm really excited to watch it. Um, Maryland is plus 18 at Ohio State. I don't really see any reason that I would not pick Ohio State to win and cover. But Maryland does seem to kind of show up in these big the games. We saw it uh, last year uh, with the way that they played Ohio State and Michigan,
1: both fairly close. The reason I think that you would like Maryland here to cover, I would not pick Maryland to win this game outright, but that offense is good. They can put up points. You, saw, you know, they haven't really played much this year, but 38, 38, 42, 31, 44, their five-point total so far this year. If you're thinking Maryland can, like, get to 24 in this game, and maybe they lose, like, 38, 24, 41, 24. That's a cover. Um, that being said, I think Ohio State might be ready to – on on load on someone. But I can I can understand why you would take Maryland getting more than getting almost three touchdowns, but it's Ohio State. I'm picking Ohio State.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna pick Ohio State to win. I don't think I'm gonna pick them to cover. Uh mostly just because I haven't been that impressed with the offense at this point in the season, at least compared to the last couple of years. So it wouldn't surprise me if it is an ugly like 10-14 point win instead of 18. 18 is just a lot of points for, for how the Ohio State offense has been performing up to this point for me. Um, LSU is minus 6.5 at Mizzou. Uh, we were just talking about Missouri's sort of easy-ish uh, beginning of the season. This will be their first more major test, and I think they fail it. I'm going to pick LSU to win um, and cover on
1: the road at Mizzou. Uh, line looks weird. I'm going to fly into the sun and just take LSU to cover. I don't really get why they're favored by almost a full touchdown. Other than the talent gap here, LSU is still a much more talented team. I think it's, that's an embarrassed LSU team right now for what happened last week in Oxford. I'll go with a bounce back, and I think Mizzou's due for a little bit of a letdown. But I don't know. Those LSU corners against Luther Burton, that, that, uh, that might be an issue.
0: Yeah, um, and I do think Missouri's defense can give – uh, LSU's offense, some some trouble, but uh, I I I think Mizzou's a little bit of a paper tiger, <laughs> pun intended. Not pun intended, I guess. Um, all right, uh, Washington State is plus three and a half at UCLA. We're starting to see some of these uh, upper echelon Pac-12 teams, which we've talked about how competitive that conference is this season, um,
1: running into each other. How are you feeling about that one? I'll take the better defense at home, which I think is UCLA, but I wouldn't be surprised if Washington State won. I think I put UCLA to win, but not cover on the sheet. I'm seeing like a late field goal here, you know, a two point win, maybe a one point win, something like that. Uh, I look forward to watching this one. It's probably upper, higher scoring, but maybe UCLA makes that one stop.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I haven't watched a ton of either team this year. I did watch Washington State against Oregon State. They looked really good although oregon state made like a late comeback there um i think it's gonna be fun should be a good uh shootout and it's basically a pick them at this point um so i'm gonna pick washington state because i want them to win <laughs> but yeah I don't. yeah i don't have a uh a, a great feel for how it could play out also how about this like stupid college game day uh drama with pat mcafee and stuff um i don't even I, i've only read the headlines or whatever but apparently there's some beef about the washington state flag being flown well he at- was mad at
1: wazoo or he was telling them to like get off the screen for, for real teams or something And it's like espn's the reason wazoo doesn't have a conference because the way the tv itself is like that's you yeah. like you ever seen the we're all trying to figure out who did this meme
0: that's you <laughs> uh, like you're the reason yeah Exactly, um, and yeah, I did see, uh, I believe, Spencer at Split Zone Duo wrote an article. Stephen Godfrey, I think. Or, or was it Stephen yeah. Godfrey? Um, about, I guess, game day basically becoming a bully. I don't know. I'm never, I've never been super into Pat McAfee or whatever. I understand his niche is attractive to some people or whatever. It, it works well for, for podcasting and stuff, and I, I guess ESPN's trying to survive bringing in a different Demographic. Um, it's not he's, my doing, he's doing what they're paying him to do, right? He's his his name is in the headlines. Uh, he's causing controversy, all those sorts of things. So, uh, anyway, uh, Bama is minus two and a half at Texas A and M. That line seems too low to me, um, but that makes me a little bit wary. We did talk about how Caulfield's always kind of a tough place to play, um, but I'm going to pick Bama to win and cover and save him to
1: continue to beat Jimbo. Yeah, I'm with you there. I. It's funny if a And M wins this game and they're three and oh in the league with a tiebreaker over Bama, I think you have to actually like seriously entertain a conversation of a And M winning the West. Yeah, and I don't really want to do that. I don't think they're that good. So I'm gonna take. I'm gonna pick Alabama. Yeah, that's
0: another one similar to Mizzou, where I don't think they've been properly tested yet. So we'll, we'll see. And they, I mean, you know, against Miami, they got flattened. Exactly. So. um we got North Carolina at home against Syracuse. North Carolina is minus nine. That seems like a lot of points. North Carolina, you. though,
1: just now. I don't know why it happened in week six. Taz Walker is eligible. Well, that's good for that kid. Uh, yeah. I definitely was... Dropped
0: like the 20 idea. minutes ago. But that's... Yeah. Thanks, NCAA. <laughs> so so weird. Um, How are you feeling about that? We, across the board on our staff picks, which will be posted later today on GameCracksCoop.com, we all picked North Carolina to win, but there's a little bit of uh, controversy on whether or not they're going to cover
1: or not. Uh, I just don't think Syracuse's offensive line is that good. I watched a decent chunk of that game last week against Clemson. I know that's a really good front for Clemson, but they struggled to block it. We saw what UNC's front could do week one against South Carolina. I think that's a better offense for UNC, a better front that's going to get after Gary Schrader I take you see to cover the number at home.
0: I actually didn't think about that aspect. I picked North Carolina to win, but not cover because I do think Syracuse can score some points in this one. But uh, yeah, North Carolina's defensive line has been better than advertised for sure. At this point, Um got Northern Illinois minus five at Akron. I think this is just because uh, Perry really likes to talk about Akron. Um, I don't uh, have a ton to say about that one. Nope. I'm going to pick one wins. wins. Yeah. Uh, we can move on to uh, Kentucky. I think this will be a fun win. Kentucky plus 14.5 at Georgia. A lot of people buying the uh, Kool-Aid on Kentucky as far as picking them to cover that 14.5. Georgia obviously has not looked themselves up to this point in the season. Is this the week they get it together? Can Kentucky actually
1: uh, you know, push them at home? Okay, the number scares me. They are begging you to take Kentucky there with the 14-and-a-half, giving you the half point over the two touchdowns over that key number. Maybe I'm walking into the trap. I do think Kentucky covers. I don't know how well they're going to be able to run the ball against Georgia's front. I still don't – I mean, I don't think what they did last week. Obviously, what they did last week is not duplicable, but they might not be able to run it well at all. Um, Devin Leary's. For, I think Kentucky covers, but I don't think it's ever a game where you seriously think they're going to win or they're mounting a challenge, uh, but the number scares me. See, I, I agree that it feels like a trap, and I'm because it feels
0: like a trap, I'm going to try to go opposite and pick Georgia. Just, Georgia to, to just to
1: drop a bomb and win by three touchdowns. I feel like
0: it's coming at some point. Yeah. Um, I feel like the, there's still way too much talent on that roster to be playing as – lethargically I guess as as they have through the first five weeks of the season and I think at some point they are they're going to get it together so might as well be this week um you know Kentucky's coming in with a with a ranking beside their name so maybe that motivates a little bit too uh to really show what they have so Notre Dame is minus six and a half at Louisville i don't really understand this line either. Uh, I feel like Notre Dame should cover that one, but you're the one person that picked Louisville to cover. So, so give me your justification there.
1: I like Louisville's defense. Watched them a couple times now. Played well last week against NC State. They've um, they got it together in that second half against Georgia Tech and really pulled out that game. I think they're a lot better than they were to start the year. Put it that way. Um, I guess Notre Dame just I keep waiting for the breakout. I keep waiting for this offense to drop 45 points on someone like other than Navy or Tennessee state, but like, okay. I mean, even against Duke last week, they needed a miracle play by Sam Hartman to win that game. They had 13 points through 59 minutes. I don't know. I, I don't think Louisville's great. I think it's a weird spot. I I think Notre Dame wins the game, but you're giving me almost a full touchdown. I'll take a shot with the team playing at home at night.
0: Yeah. And I do wonder if I'm still, stuck on my like very early season impression of Notre Dame um but they didn't look great last week granted that was a little bit of a hangover spot i tend to think that they are they've worked out some of the kinks from that heartbreaking ohio state loss and they're going to get back on track this week and win pretty handily but um the last one we have picked again not a marquee We're game a five and out team here Fresno, yeah. State, yeah. Fresno state one it's a good G5 game, State huh? has a uh, chance of being the G five representative yep, in, the, they do. in my six. Um they are minus six and a half at Wyoming. Um I think that they continue to win, but that the line's seems about right. Like it, it seems like Wyoming
1: could be within a score, or so it's a really tough place to play. We saw we've seen power five teams go there and lose Texas Tech this year, Missouri a couple years ago. Um Wyoming's got a pretty good defense or four and one right now. I don't know, man. You're talking about going to 7,000 feet above sea level and trying to play a football game. It's weird. Teams go there that should win and lose. You're giving me a touchdown. Take a shot. Tip Wyoming to cover.
0: It's true. As someone that uh, moved to a place with elevation, it definitely does affect you. Um, It didn't used to affect me as much when I was a teenager or early 20s, which a lot of these uh, college athletes are, but also, didn't try to play a football game in it, so I don't know. And oh, Wyoming's um, used to it. I don't know. You
1: give me a touchdown,
0: take a snap. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Any other games this week that you wanted to talk about? Or mm,
1: just taking a quick look here. Um, Clemson and Wake, I think Clemson probably does bounce back, it's not a bounce back spot for them, but I think they kind of continue to win ugly and just keep grinding through it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Kansas, UCF do anything for you? UCF favored by one in Lawrence right now. I mean, yeah, I'm interested uh, to watch that
0: game, I guess, when if there's nothing else on. Um, I'd pick Kansas to win that one, but do they get beat twice by the the disappointing game that they played last week? Well, if anyone's getting beat
1: twice there, it's UCF after blowing a 35-7
0: to lead last week. That's fair. So, uh, Really just see yeah, which one of those teams can bounce back fast? the faster, I guess. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we will be back here on... We probably will not do a Sunday or Monday show since there's no South Carolina game this week, but we will be back here next Thursday to preview Florida. That won't be the first opportunity that you get to see some stuff about Florida, though. Go to GamecocksGroup.com and earlier in the week, we'll start looking ahead to that game, um, we'll have a couple more pieces of content over the weekend. Also, uh, men's basketball. Uh, I know you're going to see them practice today, or, or Lamont Paris has his opening
1: oh, press it's conference. Like an open practice end and then Lamont and some players talk. That's in two and a half hours, so look out for that tonight. Some content from that. And there's some baseball stuff going on
0: tomorrow. Scrimmage. Yeah. Um, so really, if you're a fan of Gamecock athletics in general, I know you just put out a women's basketball article last night as well. Ah, uh, there's a lot going on, so this is a nice time to kind of look around um, at some of the preseason looks at uh, of the other programs as well. Um, I believe South Carolina baseball just landed a top uh, portal transfer. As well. yeah. yeah, so um, lots of lots of fun stuff ramping up for those of you that are okay with taking a little break on football season right now. <laughs> um, we'll be back here next Thursday. Uh, in the meantime, this has been the Gamecock dot com podcast. We'll see you.